0: Hi, everyone. It's Ricardo. It is a new year, and guess what? We've got an exciting new opportunity for the Popping Collars universe. Have you ever listened to us and thought, I could do that? These guys don't even know what they're talking about. Have you ever had an idea for a podcast, but you just didn't know how to get it off the ground? Or have you started working on a podcast just to find that your only audience is your mom and your dog? Well, starting this year we are beginning a special offering called Popping Collars Plus. Here's how it works. If you've got a podcast that's somewhere in the neighborhood of religion and popular culture, send us your recording and we will possibly host it on our feed, the longest running Episcopal feed of all time with thousands of downloads per month. It's an opportunity to get your voice to a wide audience and get that potential booster shot of listeners that you've always wanted. And we get the benefit of hearing from more diverse voices from around the religious world. So it's a win-win. So if you want to take advantage of Popping Collars Plus, just send an email and MP3 submission to poppingcollarspodcast at gmail.com and we will review your offering and possibly put you on the feed. We're looking forward to hearing from all you creative souls. So keep those microphones humming and keep those collars pop.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Greg Knight, and I like watching, thinking about, and talking about movies. One of the great things about starting your own podcast is that there are some days where you get to actually talk to the creators of those movies. This is one of those days this month. Got the chance to talk to Trevor Frost and Melissa Lesh, the directors of a new documentary called Wildcat that's currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Letterboxd describes the movie this way. Back from war in Afghanistan, a young British soldier struggling with depression and PTSD finds a second chance in the Amazon rainforest when he meets an American scientist and together they foster an orphaned baby ocelot. I'll tell you that this is a fascinating documentary with so many twists and turns that you would swear that you were watching a scripted drama. So what inspired these filmmakers to head down to Peru and set up a documentary in the middle of the jungle? Find out as I keep things under the stole with Trevor Frost and Melissa Lesh. But before we chat, here's the trailer. I'm in this most beautiful place in the world. (laughs) and I can't be happy.
2: When I was in Afghanistan, I was medically discharged with
3: PTSD. I
2: felt that life wasn't worth living and maybe I should just go when no one knows if I'm alive, no one knows if I'm dead. That's when my life really took a turn. This is Keanu, our ocelot rescue. He will be reintroduced into the wild in a year and a half. I didn't know if it was going to be doable. Their alternative is living a life in the zoo or die in a much worse way. This is your
1: new home. Don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna teach you how to become a killer.
0: Amazon tree boa, This is the snake. This project with Keanu. It's like his redemption. He's
2: saving me and I'm saving him.
1: This is one of the most dangerous environments in the world. That's a wandering spider.
3: Keanu. I know no, it still hurts.
2: It's really difficult working in an unprotected area.
3: You okay? (laughs) You scared me.
1: Don't follow me. Now he knows where Harry lives. I'm worried that he
2: can't live by himself.
1: He caught his first
2: rodent.
3: He caught his first rodent. I love you, feel I'm I've seen the
2: jungle change
3: people. I feel like I've done something good. But it's hard to let go of
1: something you love. It is now or never.
3: We're wild animals. Me and you, we're wild.
1: So thank you for coming on. Uh, I always like to start these conversations the same way because I'm always pretty interested in sort of where did the artistic spirit come from and what is it that inspired you to start doing documentary filmmaking or just making art in general? And so I'm curious, like, was there something that happened in your life that made you think this is what I want to do? This is what I I just want to make art. We'll start with you Melissa. And
2: Yeah, thank you Greg for having us on. Um yeah, I think from a young age I was exposed to the arts. My father's a fine artist, my mom's a cellist, a classical cellist. And so I was always around, you know, paintbrushes and and drawing and music um and then was very connected to wildlife and 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 animals as a child. So, you know, I was the kid in the backyard turning over logs and looking at bugs and walking in the woods and looking at mushrooms and things. So throughout my life, I've kind of always gravitated to both the arts and then the sciences and nature. And I think film became, um, you know, in college studying painting and printmaking film became, I realized a more effective tool for me to be able to combine those two things um, and explore places and, and our relationship with the natural world in, in the ways that I felt I could. Um, so film, yeah, became kind of a tool to really combine the arts and sciences and explore that relationship for me. Nice.
3: I love it. What about you, Trevor? My greatest source of happiness has always been time in, in wild places and nature or time with animals. And, uh, as I, you know, spent time in these places, inevitably, I've watched many of them disappear um, or be destroyed. Uh, you know, even growing up, like I had a, an area where I would play paintball with my friends, and we had tree forts and everything else. And I remember it getting torn down and turned into another development. And so, you know, at a, from a very young age, I was aware of, of these places just quickly disappearing. And And so as I, you know, became a young adult, I started thinking, much more about how i could do something about trying to at least slow down what was happening to you know to wild places and, and to the wildlife that lives in these wild places um and and that's and that's really where my interest in in storytelling came about because i found that storytelling was the most potent way to reach people you know science is obviously really important but science moves slowly and storytelling is 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 you know much quicker than science and so there's an opportunity with storytelling to i think you know move people in a way that um science doesn't and 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 so I, that's kind of how i found myself making making films and and, and doing photography well that
1: Is a perfect segue to this doc wildcat. What a, just a fascinating documentary (laughs) guys. I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like it. I'm, I'm excited to sort of dig into, into it with you guys. I'm curious because you've both talked about conservation and this is ultimately a conservation story, but it's also a very human story at the same time. So I'm, I'm wondering when you're, assembling this documentary do you go in with an idea about what you think it's going to be and then it evolves maybe into something else and and or or were you just sort of
3: open to well we'll go to peru and we'll see what happens i'll i'll just start by saying i don't remember who said it i it may have been da pennebaker who's a very famous documentary filmmaker who's no longer with us uh, but someone, someone like him, if it wasn't him, that said, you know, if you start off a documentary and you you have an idea for it and you end the documentary and and the documentary ends the same way that you thought that it was that 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 you're the same kind of idea you had when you started it, then you then you failed, because every documentary leads you on a journey. Um, and so certainly when we went into it, we had some ideas that remained, but we also learned a lot of new things and there were a lot of twists and turns. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that that the, definitely um, the human component became more of an important part. But one of the, you know, one of the things I think that that is quietly communicated in this film is that the the power of these places and the power of relationships with animals to help us, you know, find more solid ground. Um, you know, even use the word healing, you know, that, that both Harry and Samantha have found a sort of degree of solace in doing this work um, that they didn't find anywhere else. And that has helped them, you know, on their journey of, of, you know, trying to, you know, deal with the things that they've gone through.
2: I think going into this story, you know, when Trevor first met Harry and Samantha and called me, um, telling me kind of the, the early things that we knew about it and what we saw as being a potentially powerful short film. um, The kind of driving idea at the time was the healing power of nature. And how can we explore that through these characters, specifically Harry, who had gone to war and come back with severe PTSD and depression um, and ended up in the Amazon rainforest for, you know, not, not the best reasons. He, he actually went there to, Essentially make his death look like an accident, um, and found the beauty and the power and and a reason to keep going. And so, with that kind of entry point of, you know, the power of these places and and its potential for our healing, importance for, you know, for our mental health and well-being, that was kind of where it all started and the entry point. But when you make these films, like Trevor said, they evolve and you right. deeper and deeper into the complexities of it and these characters that it's not a, it's not that simple, you know and it's and it's, it's a process that isn't always linear. Um, it you know, you go forward and backwards and up and down and um, healing is a complex journey in and of itself and trauma manifests itself and and reappears in our lives in so many different ways. So I think the thing that we really didn't anticipate and walked away from the making of the film was very much how personal, of an experience it would be for us as filmmakers Mm -hmm. while we see harry and samantha's story on screen and we don't see ourselves we are very much a part of that story and the conversations that we had with both of the lead characters were very much our own conversations with ourselves and with each other and the things that we were grappling with or things that we had never talked about before in our lives um traumas specifically know that i went through as a child or um depression you know that trevor struggled with for a decade that he had kind of the ability to to work through and reframe in the making of this film so i would call it therapeutic but i think it was more than that i think it was it was really kind of unearthing a lot of the things that we had never fully faced before Mm -hmm. and you see that through harry and samantha but um it was very much a personal journey as well.
3: But there were a lot of other themes that did come out, you know, like to your point, there were a lot of other themes that and, and what some people call entry points for people that might not necessarily identify with nature or, or conservation. So like an example would be that, you know, um, the, the the idea of letting go. Right. So like parents that have to let go of their children when it's time for them to go to college. Um, or when they have to move out of the house or when you have to you know, say goodbye to a pet that you loved or you know, your parent passes away or someone that you love passes away, a friend passes away um breaking up with someone that you know you have you had you love still but you have had a difficult relationship with um let it, letting go is something that everybody has to deal with in life it's, so it's very universal so those were things that you know we didn't anticipate right like this idea that 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 would be one of the major themes of the film or that um you know that harry would be you know in one way um he's rewilding an animal And then at the same time, he has to learn how to actually like unwild himself and go back into society. And so there there were things like that that revealed themselves only through the process of making the film, Um, and and those things we couldn't anticipate. Yeah, and I'm curious
1: then too, like that echoing that happens, which is, which you know, it's it comes through as you're watching the film. You're like exactly what you said. This idea of this relationship between Harry and the ocelot, this relationship between Harry and samantha and sort of everybody and his own life and his family like there are these echoes that happen in those relationships did you see that in peru or was that something that you discovered in the editing room when you were putting it together
2: yeah i think there was a lot of themes emerging during production you know we were filming we started filming in fall of 2018 and we did um 13 trips down to to the peruvian amazon so it was We each spent almost 200 days, you know, in the rainforest on that small platform that you see with Harry and Samantha. And so I think when you, you know, kind of embed yourself with with in that place with both of them and you start learning the things that are important to them and how, um, you know, how the wildlife is very much a kind of a symbol for something much larger than that individual cat. And the importance of, for example, you know, Harry's family, like his little brother, um, you know, there were these themes and these ideas circula- circulating in terms of, um, yeah, love and letting go and um, the lengths we go, you know, to to heal or to save an animal or to save ourselves. Um, so, yeah, I think it was it was in part in the production, but then it was also in the edit. How can we dial it in and make those connections really really clear Uh and part of it is also how things unfolded right when Mm -hmm. when harry was letting go of the cat spoiler alert um you know it was very clear that that for both of their well-being harry and samantha had to let go of each other Mm -hmm. and all of that started happening at the same time and was compounded so it was very true to the real events that you know that played out and Yes, it's making those connections in the edit, but part of it is just the kind of luck of having a story that follows a pretty scripted narrative mm-hmm. um, and the power of, yeah, of of just real events unfolding.
3: Well, I, I would also give a lot of credit to some of the team members that work with us. You know, Joshua Altman, who is a, is a director and producer and, and and also is really well known for all of his editing that he's done. Um, and then Alyssa and Amias, you know, they both come obviously with different backgrounds than we have, and you know, they're both parents, for example. And so, when you bring, you know, one of the great joys of filmmaking, especially coming from a photography background where you're you're working by yourself largely, you know, filmmaking is a is a team effort. And and you know, um, I think frankly, I think too much um, too much credit is given to directors. In yeah. film, you know, uh, I think that, you know, so much more credit needs to be given to all the other people that are a part of making your film. You know, like, I mean, everyone from the associate editor that we had on our team, she was also a, a co-producer. I mean, just the amount of work that she did and th- that was so critical that, you know, never gets talked about. But all of these people from our co-producer to, you know, who has her own life story, to Alyssa, who is a parent, to Josh, who is a parent, and they've all had different experiences than we've had. And that provided them with a a view on the film and they each had their own kind of takeaways. So they were able to kind of share in the editing process, what they were feeling, what, what were some of the themes that they were finding, and we kind of took all of them together. And, and and that's, you know, again, that's really one of the great joys of, of making a film is that you you have all of these people that are supporting you and, and are helping you figure this out.
1: Um, I love this idea, this theme of letting go and stuff like that, and sort of trusting not only your subjects, but your team and all of that stuff. So there are a lot of times here where Uh, you're trusting Harry to sort of go out and film kind of Blair Witch style out in the woods with him. And, you know, as he sort of um, reintegrates this cat into the wild, what was it like sort of letting go of that end and trusting that he was going to give you footage that you could use? And, you know, there is a lot of, sort of um, mental health struggle that's going on in this, in this film, like, were you comfortable putting him in that vulnerable spot and seeing sort of what footage came back?
2: Yeah. So I think, I think that's a two part question. Um, The first part, because of their reintroduction protocol with Keanu, we were not able to have access to him. We couldn't film him. Couldn't be nearby. They wanted to make him as wild as possible, which meant limiting as much human contact, you know, as, as possible. So that became, you know, that was very early on a challenge in, in the production was how do we film this reintroduction if we can't film one of the main characters, this cat. Um, And so we embraced that. And we very much, you know, saw what they were already filming, what they had filmed with the previous Ocelot, that there was this really raw quality to it. There was this beautiful intimacy There was also the scientific documentation of the the reintroduction and what they were eating and how they were learning the kind of daily diary type of footage. Um, And so we really embraced that and, you know, worked with Harry, worked with Samantha to film moments that also we could never be there for. You know, when Keanu catches his first rodent, that's something it's just, you have to be rolling all the time to capture moments like that. And because of, you know, needing to go back and back to Virginia and get grants and try and fundraise, you know, we were split many, many times. And so we couldn't be there for everything. So it was, it was trusting, but it was also just seeing that innate ability and really embracing it um, and helping foster, you know, and grow and, and seeing that, that, cr- that creative process grow. And then in terms of the mental health side of things, you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause we, we do talk about this, how, how, potentially how did the camera, um, did the camera help or hinder, you know, in these moments when there were tough mental health situations. Um, and in many ways, you know, when we talk about Harry filming in particular, the camera became very much like a companion. Um, and it was something that was a driving force, a sense of purpose every day, not only taking Keanu out, but documenting that. Um, And when we weren't there, it was also kind of a Wilson, uh, a companion, you know, so he would talk to the camera as if he was talking to us. And a lot of those intimate moments, it's him sharing something that he wanted to share with us or was thinking about his his family or Samantha missing her. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in in many ways, it was actually this. Yeah, this this part that kept the process going and kept him having a sense of purpose.
3: Yeah, I, I, yeah, as Melissa mentioned earlier, you know, I, I've had depression and anxiety for a decade now. And at times it's been, you know, worse. Um, and, and, and right now, for example, it's quite a bit better. Um, but as a result, I, you know, I have a, a, a better understanding, obviously, than someone that doesn't struggle with those things. And so I had a, a different, you know, view of what Harry was going through. And, and I've I've obviously worked with a, a psychiatrist and a psychologist and done therapy and all and, you know, CBT and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that you learn, um, you know, very early on with, with someone who is, you know, potentially suicidal or is really struggling on, on the level that Harry was struggling is that you have to give them a sense of future, right? Like that there is something to look forward to and one of the things that filming did for him was it was something to look forward to because he knew we were coming down soon so it was something he could share the footage with us show us what he had captured you know he was capturing this extraordinary footage of 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 Keanu um and so some of those really intimate um, you know, and, and, and somewhat raw and unflinching, you know, moments of, of his struggles with mental illness, whether we filmed them or he filmed them, the camera, I think was really actually important because it meant that it was, there was sort of an accountability, um, and, and a future that he had to look forward to. And so I think that, you know, it was actually a really important part of, of, of helping him through the process, um, and, and you know, to keep fighting.
1: Um, guys, I, I wish I could ask you more questions about Samantha and everything else, but um, thank you. Uh, just thank you so much for your time and congratulations on a wonderful documentary.
3: Thank
2: you so Thanks much Thanks for having us.